Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks. And, uh, Buck, we got a fun episode today because we're going to kind of split it up here. We're going to preview the combine a little bit, just the offense, right? We'll get the defense a little bit later on in the week. Preview the combine, and then we're going to roll a conversation that we had recently with a really, really interesting guy. And I'm going to say the name Bob Wager. I don't think most people are going to be familiar with that name. Tell, tell everybody who we're talking to and what this guy knows. Oh, we're talking to Miles Garris, high school football coach. And um, whenever you're a scout and you're beginning to do the background and the research, you go all the way back to high school because you're really trying to complete the profile. And sometimes you can get a nugget or two from the high school coach that you don't get from the college coach, but it can be the difference and the determining factor in whether you believe this guy can be a special player at the next level. Yeah, so he's going to be an interesting conversation for us. But uh, before we get to him, what are you looking forward to the most? When we just look at these offensive guys at the combine um, and kind of look at how you see this group and this draft, what are you looking forward to the most? You know, obviously everyone loves to track me. You like seeing these guys run around. You like seeing the skill guys run the 40. But for me, I want to see the quarterbacks throw because I want to see um, the arm talent differential between Kaiser, Trubisky, and Watson uh, and any of the other guys that may emerge from kind of like that next tier. I want to see the running backs move around together because – I'm still fascinated by Leonard Fournette. I know he's a special talent. I just kind of want to see him move in comparison to Dalvin Cook and see if there's a noticeable difference between the two. And then with the wide receivers, I know Corey Davis isn't going. A lot of pressure on Mike Williams. We want to see how fast he runs because that's the conversation that you're hearing. Is he fast enough? Can he be that guy? And then I want to see if John Ross he's gonna roll. blazes the track. Yeah, John Ross is going to roll. So when I when I look at that receiver group, bummed, yeah, I know Corey Davis, but uh, – 
Uh, we're going to see a good group of wide receivers there. A couple guys, I'll give you a couple guys to keep an eye on that I'm curious about. Cooper Cup, what's he going to run from Eastern Washington? Um, you want to go over under on that? Just kind of what you think. What uh, set the bar? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking four, five, three. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm. I hear things on both sides. I've heard people say that he's. It's not going to. He's not going to run great. And I've heard other people say you'll be pleasantly surprised. So when I extrapolate that information, I'm going to go four, five, five uh, for Cooper Cup. I thought he. I estimated when I watched him. I thought he was a little bit faster than that. I thought four, four, five. But uh, from everything I'm hearing, maybe uh, that was a little bit ambitious. Chad Hansen from Cal. Ooh, he can roll. Now, I just got done looking again at Davis Webb. I watched yeah. uh, two additional games. I watched him against uh, not against Utah. Yeah. It was a really good game for yep. him. I watched him against Oregon where he had five touchdowns. But, man, Hanson is a guy. He can go get it. He can go get it. And I'm going to say this about this wide receiver class because I don't think it's, like, top-loaded, like heavy at the top. But I believe that's second to third round area. There are a lot of intriguing Zay games. Jones, Cooper I mean, Cup, there are a, lot of, a bunch of dudes. You know, look, the Malachi Dupree's, the Josh Isaiah Malone's. Ford is a really good I mean, player. I, you talk about Isaiah Ford. I, I like D.D. Westbrook. Like, Juju, there are, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to go somewhere in there. There are a lot of guys that can go and help teams, and because there's so many, if some of those guys are going to fall to day three, but we're going to look back in a year or something and be like, man, how did this guy get to the fourth round? Yeah. Just because I think it's that deep. Um, at the position. There's also a guy that's hanging out there that no one has really talked about, but KD Cannon from Baylor, who is a speedster who he has some, he can pop the top off the defense. He may be a guy that we end up talking about coming out of the combine. Yeah, we've got uh, a good group there to keep an eye on. Um, going back to the running back position, I wrote about this last week in the in the notebook, Buck. Um, everybody thought once Ezekiel Elliott did what he did, right? How many times have you heard, well, Throw out the running backs or devalued thing because they took they took Ezekiel in the top five and led the league in rushing. So forget you can take running backs high again. But when I bring that up with teams, they bring up another name and they say, okay, well, who is second in the league in rushing? I go, well, Jordan, Jordan Howard, Howard, hundred hundred and fiftieth pick. So they're saying you not you know you go ahead, let the other teams debate whether Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette is the next Ezekiel. We're going to spend our time trying to find the next Jordan Howard. <laughs> I think this year the depth at running back allows you to do that because there are a bunch of it's names great group, man. under the radar that people aren't talking about that you kind of forget about. But those are the guys that will be the second, third, maybe even fourth-round picks that can emerge and be big-time players. You talk about Jordan Howard being a fifth-round guy. I believe the sweet spot for running backs has always been of late, the second and the third round. Yeah. When you go back and look, Shady McCoy's, Jamal Charles, Frank Gore, all of those guys kind of come in that range. And so if you're – you understand exactly what you're looking for at the running back position and how you want that position to be utilized and how it fits within your scheme, you can find guys. You can target a couple of guys and say any of these three guys. We talk about the cluster buster. We'll take any of these three guys if they're available in the second round. So let's go to the Super Bowl real quick, right? Atlanta and New England. Want we run through these real quick? Devontae Freeman, fourth round. Tevin Coleman, third round. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt undrafted. James White, fourth round. Deion Lewis, fifth round. Those are the running backs from the Super Bowl. Running backs from the Super Bowl. I mean, so when I when I look at this group now, at the combine here, so let me give you some names to keep an eye on. So if you're watching this from home, and be sure that you are, on uh, Bucky, you got us covered like round the clock on. Uh, <laughs> get it on. Is that going to be? It's on NFL. It's obviously NFL.com. Is it on the app too? I think it's on the app as well. Uh the top fives. 
No, no. When when the combine for a combine. Comes. Oh my God! Yeah, we got that. Uh, we have long we that. But, but what we're gonna do is what's really cool about it this year. We're gonna take more of the network feed, uh, so to be less of money. And I will come in on segments. Lance Zerling is also with us. Colleen, uh, Ike, and MJD will also be on the coverage. So we'll have everyone in the mix. We'll have these segments. We'll have the pro comparisons, the report cards, and all this stuff. UNCD will be doing your thing on the network. So we'll kind of get all of that coverage. And so it's great to be able to talk about these guys, to forecast and project after we get the hard empirical data so here, here are some guys that you pay attention to when you're on uh on our coverage here jeremy mcnichols from boise state i like a lot uh dante foreman people have talked about where is he going to go okay he's an interesting one to keep an eye on we all we know about the big top guys um kareem hunt from toledo nice Mar- player i love him marlon mack from south florida love him Jamal Williams, who we've had a video with, we interviewed him on the podcast last week, so you can check that out. He's a real intriguing guy. We've talked about Matt Days from NC State, Bucky. Uh, this is a, the, one of the more intriguing names and stories in the whole draft is James Conner from Pitt, who yes. who has battled through cancer, came out the other side of it, had a great year this year. I mean, he runs hard. He can catch the ball. My question is, can he really? Does he have any juice? So the forty for James Conner, he might have more riding on the forty. Than any somebody, other player in this, some, in this some draft. Some of these other guys, because I had a chance to look at him. I was studying Nate Peterman. Obviously, when you look at him, you have to see James Conner. James Conner running the ball, rugged runner. He was a guy who's had a lot of production throughout his career. Battle back from the cancer, as you talked about. He's intriguing. A lot would depend on his 40 time, but there are a ton of running backs in this draft. And if you're a team, as we're beginning to flip the roster and we're looking for those guys, maybe you can find the workhorse. But as you pointed to at the beginning of this segment, People are talking about Ezekiel Elliott, but more of the scouts are talking about Jordan Howard and how can you find that under the radar, that value pick, second, third, fourth round, some even in the fifth round. We're going to find some of these guys that emerge and end up being really, really good players. Even Rob Kelly from Washington, who was an undrafted free agent who came and had a lot of success last year. No question. And how about this? I can't remember a year. Last year, right, we had the golf Wentz debate that never ended, right? We go back and forth. Everybody, you pick one of those two guys. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember – do you remember last year anybody saying other – anybody other than those two guys as a top quarterback in the draft? No. I don't remember that. I mean, obviously, Dak Prescott's gone on and had, you know, arguably been the best of the whole bunch. But I don't remember during the run-up to the draft talking to teams or anybody. There was It was either Goff or Wentz. This year, Buck, I talked to teams. There's five different quarterbacks that are number one on a board somewhere, Okay. You've got Kaiser for some people. You've got Deshaun Watson for some people. You've got Mitch Trubisky for some people. Pat Mahomes, who's getting a lot of support with people I talk to. And then you also have the Davis Webb crowd. So there's five different guys vying you know, to be the number one spot for certain teams. I don't remember a year where we've had that much uh, a lack of clarity, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, it is a very muddied picture. And hopefully the combine will bring a little clarity to the situation. The three guys that we've talked about ad nauseum to this point have been Kaiser, Trubisky, and Watson. But two guys that are in the conversation, Davis Webb and Pat Mahomes. And looking at those guys more recently, Davis Webb, to me, is really intriguing because, um, look, he comes about the air raid system. You're going to hear all the stuff about the air raid. But I think his game is a little different than most He's of those more quarterbacks. Structured. He's more structured. That have played. Because even watching how he uses his eyes and how he kind of um, distributes the ball to a variety of playmakers um, at Cal – I believe he's a guy that would be a nice fit in a West Coast offense. And when I was going through my notes and I was uh, doing the evaluation, I kind of pointed out, and when I say the name, people going to be like, oh, what, he's not had a good career. But he kind of reminds me a little bit of Sam Bradford in terms of in the right system with the right players, he's a guy that can deal. And 
His arm talent, I love the way he throws the deep ball, particularly the go route down the boundary. He does a great job of dropping it in. He can work the intermediate areas of coverage. He has the ability to change pace and trajectory. He's someone that's fascinating to me as a potential quarterback that you can take maybe in the second. Uh, I think he has to go no later than the second round. And maybe he's one of those under-the-radar guys that plays a lot better than his draft status coming in. So we're previewing the combine here. Last week I did a uh, my Ask 5 question, Bucky, was which player will generate the most buzz coming out of Indy? Now, I usually to get five answers, I usually send a text out to eight, nine guys, yep. right, and just hope you get the five back, and then you roll, write the article, and go. So every now and then I have a couple answers trickle in after I've already put, Submitted it. put the article in, right? So one of the ones that didn't make the piece – was I got a response from an NFL team executive that said, I think this will be the Davis Webb kickoff party and push to be the first QB taken. How about that? Now, a couple things, because I saw that article. In the fall, I wrote a Davis Webb blurb saying that if you're looking for the next Dak Prescott, I believe Davis Webb could be that guy. I think he's a fourth or fifth-year player. He was a graduate transfer, went to Cal. He has thrown the ball a lot during his time in college. Spent two years, two-plus years as a starter at Texas Tech. Didn't work out. Pat Mahomes emerges. You know, superstar. They all talent. leave, right? <laughs> all those they all leave. Out. So then he goes to Cal, and then one year he comes in as the leader, throws the ball around the yard. You see him, even though it's the same system, it's still a little different. Um, comes in, quickly grasps it. I like the way he takes care of the ball. I like the way he distributes the ball. See him at the senior ball. I thought his talent kind of popped uh, on the field when we were there and watching him, watching him spin it, the way he's picking it up. I believe someone can see him and say, you know what, we're going to conservatively make this guy a quarterback. We can take him in the second round. We can find a way to build the pieces around him. Or maybe we already had the pieces in place. And maybe he's a guy that emerges as a starting quarterback that has a lot of success. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch those guys get out there and spin the ball around. The tight end position, Bucky's one of the best uh, groups of tight ends we've seen in a long time. I've got two guys I think are slam dunk first-round picks when you look at O.J. Howard from Alabama, David Njoku from Miami. And then after that, I think it gets kind of interesting here at the Combine. We've talked before about Gerald Everett uh, from uh, South Alabama, who to me was shocking that he showed up in 228, 227 27 pounds, pounds in, the, in, the, uh, in the Senior Bowl. So hopefully he's put some weight back on. He's an interesting one. Then Evan Ingram, who I, I think is going to run really, really fast uh, from Ole Miss. Those guys are like your classic move tight ends. We, we compare them to Jordan Reed. Um, but to me, maybe the most intriguing guy in the entire combine, and I've been – Sending out, tweeting oh, out, yeah, Instagramming you've been, videos. You've been, you've been pushing them hard. Ashland tight end Adam Shaheen, who they list at the school at six foot six, two hundred and seventy-seven pounds. Now I've been told by guys that have rolled through there that he is a legit two seventy plus. Like that's not that's not some phony number in a, in a media guide. We'll see how tall he is. I'm guessing he's probably going to be six five. Um, but watching him on tape, the combination of size and speed and really some subtlety and some quickness at the top of his route that I was not expecting. Um, this guy entered into college. He was 205 pounds. He's exiting at 200. He's leaving early, by the way. He's coming out early at 270-plus. And the way he moves and what he does, and you sit there and go, okay, I see where he is now, and I can project when we get him with an NFL program DJ. Where, where he can go. DJ, you- so here, well, here, hear me out. Hear me out. So – I said I think that he's got a real shot to be the third tight end taken. And I've had some people say amen, and I've had a couple other people say stuff that I'm not allowed to say on the podcast. <laughs> so, but here, here's, my, here's my thing. 
I love Ingram. I love Everett. They're move guys. It's a lot harder to find guys with this size combination. I can find the undersized guys, I feel like, on a yearly basis, the way the college game is cranking them out. Finding six foot six, two hundred and sixty plus tight ends, those aren't easy to find anymore. They aren't easy to find, and and I understand it, and I understand. The I, I feel, it's not like there's a butt coming it's, here. It's, it's, I feel a butt coming. It's hard for me. It's just hard for me right now until I really can dig into them to think that the Ashland tight end could be a first round possibility. Now that was my. I mean, I know you were selling. I know I'm you were not, selling it. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I know you're being provocative. I, I, will, I will say this: you're being provocative. He will not get out of the second round, assuming he okay. doesn't just completely fall on his face at the combine. If he has, if he does at the combine what I expect him to do at the combine, he will not get out of the second round. Highway speed, certainly uh, large frame. Uh, I can give you a similar story. I went to Western Oregon. Kevin Boss. I remember him. I did. I went there too. Kevin Boss yeah. coming out. I can't remember when the Giants took him, but he was a guy that had similar. They, they had a guy. It was him, and then there was a tight end at like Whitworth that year. Who was yes. that? I can't remember the guy from Whitworth. I remember going that. For some reason, the Pacific Northwest had all these small school tight ends. That and I, year. I've been. I've been everywhere. Yeah, all, all over. But yeah, I do remember Kevin. Kevin Boss being a guy. I cannot remember what round the Giants took him, but he was a guy that had a similar frame, was a big body guy to the tight end position, and you do point out a great. Think 6'6", 270 pounds. The tight end position, we've seen these guys kind of become quasi-wide receivers. But to find a true classic tight end, a traditional wide tight end, is something that is hard to find where a guy can run routes, catch the ball, do those things, but also block on the edge. There's some value to that. So if he does enough to intrigue some guys, to get a bunch of people to go to his pro day down the road, maybe, maybe. I've got you from maybe. I've got you from no to maybe. I feel maybe. I feel, I feel the progress right there. That's maybe. Great. Um, offensive line wise, Buck, I don't think it's a it's a great group, um, but there are some tackles I'm interested in watching here. Uh, Garrett Bowles from Utah. For me, watched him against UCLA. Oh, he kills night. people. Man, hey, he yeah. he's someone that I may have underrated, undervalued in terms of we always talk about. There's not a franchise offensive tackle, and I don't want to go crazy on him. But when I look at his athleticism, his movement skills, how uh, smooth and fluid he is when it comes to pass protection, how easy he moves and climbs to the next level, I think you can begin to make the case that I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a top 15 dude. Yeah, I am I will admit, having gone back and watched other dudes against him, I was like, all right, I have him as my 28th player. I'm too low. So I, I need to do – I'm going to do an update. Don't tell the bosses this yet because I, 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 don't, I don't like volunteering for work, but I'm not supposed to do a top 50 update till after the combine. I think I'm going to do one before – because I don't want to get labeled with, oh, you just watch these guys work out and move them up. But he's one that's definitely on my list that, I, that I'm low on. I need to move him up. we got Ryan Ramsick from, uh, from Wisconsin, who will be interesting to watch him. Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky, who played tackle. I think he's going to play inside either guard or center. Um, those are kind of that top group. And then you also got Cam Robinson. Who, okay, so I've talked to some folks that said you, you guys are way low on Cam Robinson. He's going to go way, way up there. Are you oh, talking to the same folks I'm talking talk to? Talk to the same folks. So then – I followed up, and what I wanted to do, I said, okay, Alabama, the good thing about Alabama, they play all the pretty good defensive ends. So I watched them play back-to-back games. I watched them against Miles Garrett, then I watched them against Derek Barnett. Mm -hmm. He did a really good job against Miles Garrett, like did a really good job of holding his own, still on the edge. Some of the things that I worried about was his athleticism against speed. Didn't really show up in that game much. Did a good job in the run game of kind of owning the line of scrimmage and kind of moving people off the ball. Against Derek Barnett, it actually – Kind of made me look at Derek Barnett a little differently because Derek Barnett kind of whizzed around the corner, had a little more snap 
to him than I kind of remember from early my early tape watching. And he did a solid job. And so and Cam Robinson, I believe Cam Robinson has to play on the right side, but he's a people mover. He's physical. He can move people off the ball. I do believe that maybe because we had heard so much about him prior to the season, about being kind of like that that dude, that the expectations and the bar were set so high that you come away a little disappointed. But I may be a little too low on him in terms of where I have him ranked and how I kind of have him sitting on my board. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, where he ends up. Um, I'm just looking. The one game that I struggled with him, Ole Miss this year, he's on the ground a bunch. I hadn't see. I didn't overextended. I thought he had stiff ankles. Uh, that was my. That was a game that I that I struggled with from this year was the Ole Miss game. I thought he did do an admirable job against uh, against Miles Garrett, but I also thought they gave him a little bit of help and they went away from him um, too. And uh, but anyways, no, he's he's one that. I'm okay. Like I've got him as my 40th guy. I readily admit he's going to be long gone before then. Um, but you know, I'll watch a little bit more. He can move up a little bit. I just there's some some issues I have with him that aren't. Well, no, like like I'm 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 looking at my notes. Some of the issues that won't change: balance and body control. I feel like he played top heavy. Like it felt like he tipped over. You yeah, talked about him on being the on the ground. Uh, I thought he was inconsistent with his ability to finish. Um, for a guy that is big, six six, three hundred twenty six pounds. You kind of want to see the nasty consistently. I didn't see that. I did see him move people. I thought he was – I kind of wrote him as a mauler brawler type. He just kind of wants to beat you up in the phone booth, move you. Um, not a great space player, those things. I wrote down I felt like he was a right tackle, and I wrote in my notes that against Tennessee, number nine, Derek Burnett, wins with speed and quickness. And I think that is the biggest issue for him. He's a little uh, slow-footed when it comes to kicking and sliding and being able to deal with some of those guys. And so – you have to have a plan, and with more teams putting that stud um, at left defensive end, he's going to face the Khalil Max, Devon Millers, and those guys. So you can't necessarily hide him like you could in yesteryear. Yeah, you got to be able to hold up. All right, so there's your little bit of a preview there. What to look for? Some guys to watch in Indianapolis as we crank up the combine here. I uh, hope you enjoyed that, and I think you're going to enjoy this. Just talking about Miles Garrett. Uh, speaking of him, Bucky, let's uh, let's let's roll our interview with his high school football coach, uh, Coach Bob Wager. Coach, thanks for joining us. Gentlemen, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate you taking some time for us here. How about the first time that you you heard of Miles Garrett before you got a chance to coach him? What, how did you find out about him? Well, it really started back in elementary school. Miles' older sister, Bria, was a terrific athlete here. Uh, she won the 5A, which is the largest classification in Texas, state track meet. Uh, she won the 100-meter hurdles and the shot put. And if wow. that's, that's a very rare combination, obviously, for, for somebody to be dominant in both of those sports. She was a junior or a senior at the time. Miles was just entering into the seventh grade. And, and obviously, as a, as a football coach, to know that that was coming was very exciting. So I made sure to make friends with the Garrett family very quickly. <laughs> you know, that's kind of, it's kind of funny, Coach. So you, you get him in as a young player. What were your first impressions of Miles when you had a chance to work with him? Well, first of all, he's, he's a delightful human being, which I think has been shown throughout the course of his three years at Texas A&M. But, you know, before he was, um, you know, before he was on that big platform, he was the exact same human being here. And so that's the first impression is just a delightful young man, pleasure to coach. Uh, but then as he started to grow and infuse his work ethic into his athleticism, that's when you could start to, to see the the potential and the, and the possibility of his greatness start to shape. 
How did you how did you incorporate him on the team, Coach, when he first got started? What were the positions he played throughout his career, both sides of the ball? What what'd you do with him? He did, and, and we try to move him around. I'd rather be wrong early than I would late in regards to the placement, the role on the team. Uh, he certainly played multiple roles on special teams, played a little bit of tight end and fullback for us, and then played every position on the defensive line. You know, Coach, when you have a special player like that and you know he's the best player from a talent perspective, what was he like as a leader? You talked about his work ethic. How did his teammates gravitate towards him? It really evolved over the course of his time here. Miles is not a... Uh, just by nature, a, a, a really outspoken player. Uh, he led in great part by example, uh, especially in the early years. And as his work ethic developed, when your very best players um, are also your most coachable and hardest working players, that's when you have an opportunity to, to build something as a team. And so it started in that capacity, just with his work ethic and his desire. And obviously his high level of performance helps immensely as well. But then over the course of his four years of high school, he started to emerge as a more vocal leader. He was a member of our leadership council, which is the, uh, really, it's the kids that are held in the highest regard. They're voted on by their teammates. And, and I've watched his leadership develop and continue throughout his time at Texas A&M. Coach, is there a high school game or maybe a play in particular, your favorite uh, Miles Garrett story? Boy, they're, they're tough to, you know, it, it's difficult to pick. Uh, but I will tell you, he... He had two really shining moments that I think back during his senior year. The first was he blocked seven kicks in the first seven weeks. And, and that is, um, you know, I, I'm not, unfortunately, they don't keep records for that, but I'd like to think he's certainly in a very elite category in that regard. And then he also had eight and a half sacks in one football game. And, uh, and wow. that's an eye stat as well. You know, Coach, one of the things that we do as scouts, we always go back to the high school coach, and we're trying to really – dig up the background and see how the guy will maybe change at the next level. So when you think about all the things that you've known for Miles and watching him grow up, how do you think he'll handle all of the stuff that comes with being an NFL player, particularly one that could be the number one overall pick? I think he takes it in stride like he has every other step. You know, when, when you're 16 years old and you're becoming uh, a highly recruited player, you get a lot of traffic through here. And, and one of the things that Miles did was delay his announcement uh, and, and in regards to where he wanted to go to school to try to increase the, the traffic flow for the other guys that are on the team. And, and that, I think, is a great example of his unselfishness and how he puts the team first. And, and I have every confidence that that will continue at the next level as well. Coach, as, as highly touted as he was and the great career that he's had, is there any, any experience you've had with him where you could show us some adversity that maybe he faced during his time in high school and how he was able to overcome that? Well, he, you know, Miles played with some really good players. Devontae Fields was a senior when, mm -hmm. when Miles was a sophomore. Uh, there was a junior in that mix as well, Chris Odom, who's uh, coming out of Arkansas State this year. And so, first of all, he had to fight to compete just to get on the field uh, as a sophomore. And then I think the other um, it was just because he became so dominant throughout the course of his high school career, we had to move him around. You, know, you couldn't just put him at left defensive end and, and have people equalize you by uh, much like what they tried to do in college, you know, put two and three blockers. So just from a football standpoint, uh, he was always going to gather a lot of attention. He was a constant um, disruption to even double and sometimes triple teams. 
And, and I think as far as on the field, that was the greatest adversity that he faced was that everybody wanted to know where Miles Garrett was and everybody had a plan for it. You know, Coach, there have been a lot made of uh, kind of his off-field exploits, a very interesting and unique personality. How was he in the community away from football? How was he amongst kind of the civilians? How did he get along? How did he react with the rest or, or engage with the rest of the students on campus? Everybody loves Miles Garrett. And, and even today, um, and if he popped up on campus today, you might go in the weight room and instead of lifting with, uh, you know, our upcoming seniors, he might be over there with a, with a ninth grade wide receiver. You know, he just has an ease with people and it comes from a genuine interest in people. And so uh, to label Miles Garrett as a great football player is one thing, but he's so much more than that. You know, he was just, um, he was a joy to have in class. Uh, the teachers loved him. And he was one of those guys that it didn't matter if it was the, the tuba player in the band or uh, the four kids that composed our science team. Uh, he was friends with them all and, and, and had just a genuine love for human beings that I think makes him just a phenomenal teammate. Coach, this is the last question I've got for you here is uh, how tough was it to be a scout team quarterback when you had Devontae Fields on one side and Miles Garrett on the other? <laughs> we had to draw straws. Nobody wanted the job. <laughs> One of our coaches had to take it more often than not. And, um, yeah, you put D Fields on one side and Miles Garrett on the other. You, you better be looking out of both ear holes to, to make sure you know where those guys are. Yeah, there's not a bright enough colored jersey for me to put on <laughs> and be back there. I don't care if they think they're not supposed to make contact. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Coach, hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to tell us about your, your prize pupil here. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for the interest. Oh, Bucky, what, what a cool dude, huh? I mean, that's always fun when you can find out the people that knew these guys before. Right? I mean, I know he was big-time recruiting and all that, but to me, that was interesting just to learn about Miles Garrett, the dude. Didn't seem like a big-headed guy that, uh, that put himself above everybody else. Seems like a man's man. Seems like he gets along with everyone in the community, and as you think about culture being important in the locker room, who you're bringing in, as a number one overall pick, potentially, he's going to be the guy that they turn to and expect to be the leader. It seems like he is well prepared to handle that responsibility. Yeah, I think he's wired the right way. So I think you're, you're the Browns and you've had some misses in the first round before. I don't know. This kid athletically seems pretty safe to me, and I think personality-wise, the more we get to know the people that know him, the more I'm convinced that this is this is not a tough decision. Yeah, you have to bind to the person. I believe his football character is outstanding. I think his real character, his true character is also outstanding. When you look at the tape, he kind of checks off all the boxes. I would think he would be the first name we hear on draft night. All right, you ready for the combine? I am absolutely ready. Well, it's here. All right, that's going to do it for us here at Move the Sticks. We will be back next episode. We'll preview the defensive side of the ball here in Indianapolis and what to look forward to. We appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, and telling a friend, and we will see you next time. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. 
So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at Aaron's. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander.